And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 123, uh, coming at you this Saturday morning or afternoon or wherever you happen to be. Uh, as always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since we still take calls, those numbers for you to dial are uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so what is going on with you this week, MC? Um, so I really like constructive criticism. And um, so I thought I just might say, uh, let's let's not say what's going on with MC this week anymore because MC doesn't know. <laughs> okay. Well, that's kind of my shtick, man, because I, I throw it, it to you, and then I take a sip of my drink, and then we kind of like... It is, because it's, it's a long, it's a long um, uh, intro. Not not too bad, but um, yeah, it's it's good if I had something prepared, um, but I usually don't. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I've got lots of things to talk about today. Um, I, I guess, I don't know, I could always get into Bitcoin. That's my favorite thing. Uh, as always. Well, you can jump right into that then because the big old hard fork, segwit, split, whatever's going on on the yeah, first is so coming up. Lots of things are happening. And actually, the the fork that is being pushed right now, actually, they're, they're, they came up with a, na- a separate name for it already. It's called Bitcoin Cash. Yes. And so if you have Bitcoin, the current fork or version, or whatever you want to call it, uh, you, you will automatically have Bitcoin Cash. <clears throat> so a Which lot of you people, can then sell to buy more Bitcoin. <clears throat> right, and so, <laughs> or you can sell all your Bitcoin to get Bitcoin Cash. You know, who, there's, there's no true. telling which one is going to win out in the end. Uh, so similar to Ethereum and Ethereum Classic, um, <clears throat> Ethereum Classic uh, did go up in value quite a bit from its humble beginnings. Um, <coughs> Sorry. And uh yeah, so it doesn't matter uh, what you want to do um this this new type of inflation by uh s- splitting off what everybody already has into a duplicate uh thing. So ima- imagine if you had like you know $10,000 and then the government or somebody said, "Well, if you have $10,000 then you automatically have 10,000 of these other tokens that you can you can trade with, yes. Um, so I think it's a it's a neat way to do inflation, but um, I would say as as long as it's voluntary, there's there's no real damage done. I mean, they haven't taken value out of Bitcoin, and uh, especially since everybody is that has Bitcoin is is given the new Bitcoin Cash tokens. <clears throat> so it, and I've I've had this discussion before also in the, in that like if if the federal government wanted to be fair about the way they print money any any money they print they should give to everybody and and that way nobody is is harmed by the uh this was your version of the universal basic income yes well sort of a, a variant so there's there's two different things. There's the universal basic in- income where everybody gets, you know, a, a certain amount. Um, and then there's another version where 
let's say the government wants to do something, then the only way they could print money for themselves is if they print an equal amount um, and get and give it to the rest of the population. Because um, the way I see it is is that money is like potential um, to uh, spend or what do you call it? I, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with it either. Money, money is fungible. It's, is that no, no money? Money is like uh, uh, it, it's like power. It's like spending power, right? Okay. And so if if the government prints it, gives it to themselves, and they have all all the power, and and that is what I'm I'm kind of against. I I don't want the government to have that much power. So if there was a rule in place that says, hey, if the government wants to spend, well, you gotta you know kind of like share the wealth and and distribute that power equally with the rest of the population so that uh whilst diluting it yeah yeah kind of um of course there's you could uh, imagine all the risks involved with that too but um the, the point is i don't i don't like the current situation where all the money and all the power comes from the government spending more money on itself and spending you know uh trillions or billions I, I guess it's almost a trillion now on the, on the uh, uh, DOD now, right? So, um, yeah, that's what I, I, I would say is that uh, I want to decentralize that power as as much as as possible, and um, and I think Bitcoin is is one way of doing that, and and even even the the fork is a good example of that. Like nobody can stop somebody from forking Bitcoin. Um, yeah, that's part of the, well, I mean, the nature of open source technology in general. I mean, I guess I guess they could try. The the miners could collude to destroy the new fork uh, just because they have more mining power, but I don't know if they would. So this is going to be a, a really neat experiment to see uh, how um, how they respond uh, to to the fork. Um, I think it's just going to fork and nothing's going to happen. No, nobody's going to be really that motivated to uh, destroy one of the forks, and uh, there's just going to be two of them. Um, but I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how many people decide to mine on on the new fork. Um, it's very it's very interesting the way you put that because one of the I guess uh, let's call it the Bitcoin experiment, right? Because it's not you know it's still kind of uh, a thought experiment that's kind of playing itself out as we go along here. And one of the things that, you know, uh, we talk about and is like fundamental to the economics of things and of the world, um, is like competition within the marketplace, right? Like we're, we're always pushing more competition, more competition, less regulation, less restrictions, more competition. Um, and that it, and that eliminates you know the the possibility for monopolies uh, to form, um, but the way that Bitcoin has played out so far, when you mentioned uh, miners having you know certain miners having more power than all the others, well, when Bitcoin first uh, came to be, right, that wasn't the case, right? Everyone everyone who downloaded uh, the you know the Bitcoin app at the time was able to mine and had like equal rights to mine. Right. And then some people, you know, the the entrepreneurial among us um, decided, you know, to to specialize their hardware in order to mine. 
and you know the 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 wealthy amongst us right decided to uh you know in, increase their hardware uh to to gain that power to con, you know to to control the software and it kind of removed power from the individual bitcoin users or people uh having the ability to mine um where now you know people are worried about what one individual or what mining forum or whatever you know how they can destroy you know what the rest of the community wants bitcoin to become right and then you know how does that play out right the, the, is that what sparks the fork and people go like well you've you've you know centralized too much power with this one individual uh, so we're going to branch off and retake it at, at community control um, but then what happens you know to the community controlled fork Right. Does do people then start to like, you know, OK, we, we did it. We got our community fork and then back off again. And someone else uh, with with, you know, money and opportunity and, and entrepreneurial spirit uh, take over and go like, no, no, no. I, I've got enough, you know, power, as you put it, MC, uh, to kind of shift the direction into something into one that I want to take it. Uh, and there's nothing anyone can do about it because I've accumulated uh, all this uh, mining power or centralized power. Um, basically within an unregulated free market system, right? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and that's and that's why I, I think cryptocurrency is is actually best completely unregulated um, because there are many solutions to any of these perceived problems. And uh, so one of my solutions is Monero. And uh, Monero came up with... Uh, some interesting ideas uh, to to eliminate the um, the uh, the the fee problem. So okay. in, in Bitcoin, the, the fees are going up because miners are stuffing the blocks with with uh, spam, basically, just to to raise the fees because they get more more Bitcoin when they mine when the fees are higher from from people uh, transacting. Um, so that's one of the reasons why a lot of people want to upgrade Bitcoin to, to a new, new code. Um, <clears throat> and that's why Bitcoin cash is, is coming into ex existence is to lower the fees. Um, so with Monero, they have a dynamic, uh, fee schedule. Um, so that <clears throat> a lot of this, uh, thought doesn't have to be gone over again. Um, so, yeah, I think it. You know, there's there's definitely solutions out there. Bitcoin Cash could potentially be one, um, and th and then other things like Segwit and uh, and just other other tokens. I mean, there's there's Litecoin, and so so there's a whole bunch of yeah. There's there's just so many options, and you could you know diversify if you needed to. That's another potential solution. Or you could just buy Monero like I do, or, um, or you could buy Bitcoin and then you'll automatically have Bitcoin Cash. So, um, I I would say, you know, long story short, is gov government not needed to solve this problem? Definitely. That goes that that always goes without saying on this show. And I just I think about you know what you what you said about the fees and just basically the overall price. Uh, of Bitcoin right now in like in dollars and I understand you know it's like it's infinitely reducible down to what like you know eight or whatever decimal points as far as what what is like one Satoshi right but uh, it's not practical because of the fees right 
And so to me, it seems like, um, it seems if, uh, and again, I'm going to compare this to like Hardcoin, uh, because that's kind of where I was before Bitcoin took off, right? It kind of seems like Bitcoin is going to end up being like uh, the the holder's dream, right? Mm-hmm. Where you 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 have your Bitcoin and that's like the money you don't touch unless you absolutely need to liquidate right. it. And then they're going to have like all these other altcoins, whether it's Monero or, or Litecoin and mm-hmm. oh my God, Dogecoin, that you spend on other things because the fees exactly. are more manageable. So it's like Bitcoin is going to be like a savings account and then other altcoins will be like what's actually your wallet. Yeah, and that and that's why <clears throat> Bitcoin Cash can coexist with with Bitcoin. Um you know, a lot of people are going to sell their Bitcoin Cash immediately because they they perceive the original Bitcoin as is the one to have. Um but I I compare Bitcoin more often with with gold. Um now it is. Yeah. I don't think it started like that, so, but you're right. So yeah, well, a, a lot of people were were under the impression that in order for Bitcoin to work, that it that the requirement was for it to be able to, you know, people to use it to buy coffee and stuff like that, and and I I don't agree with that. Um, I I think it's more of uh, the the reason for Bitcoin to exist is is it's limit limited nature um and it's it's important to know how many uh bitcoin exists so that you can know how uh you know so you, so you can make better financial decisions based based on you know how many you want to buy and hold and and yeah. what the market is doing so every, everybody has all the information yeah uh, if you compare it with dollars right now you know, you could say, "Oh, oh, yeah, the the next crash is coming." Well, if you knew what the Federal Reserve was going to do, if you knew when they were going to raise interest rates, you could, you know, you you would have a lot of power. You would know exactly, uh, you know, what type of bets to make, right? And so that's that's an insane amount of power for some, you know, Federal Reserve chair who claims to be, you know, doing their job for the. The public you know yeah no no insider scandals going on there yeah none at all <laughs> and and on top of that even even with all the information they have they they still screw up and they cause so many problems and then they bail themselves out and and nobody goes to jail for it it's just it's just so yeah it's corrupt i mean it's so yeah we do need an alternative and this is the most interesting example of it at the moment, and and I, I still believe that you know people should should get involved with uh, uh, hard hard currencies, uh, gold and silver, precious metals, whatever. Um, but um, this is the new stuff. It's yes. Cool. So <laughs> this this is the 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 wave to ride for now because there there hasn't been significant movement in uh, hard metals and precious metals in in quite some time. Yeah, like and there's I, been some fluctuation, but oh yeah, that's one of those. So that's I, one of those things that you know I, I hate to bring it up because he's a politician, right? But one of the the the, the difficulties with um, Ron Paul supporters and Ron Paul positions is they always say like he's been warning us since the seventies. And I go, that means nothing he said has come to fruition in 50 goddamn years. Yeah. Well, right. I, I and think, it's, it's, it's always around have. the corner. 
I think a lot of things have in in d- different things that he's talked about, and and that is like loss of freedoms and uh, the the you know constant <sighs> wars. And I don't know what that was. What was that? It sounded like someone logging out of Skype. Yes, you're right. But when he talks about you know the the Federal Reserve and, and the Fed, and you know the financial crash is just around the corner, and get out of dollars, and you know audit the fed because they don't have any gold in there and what's backing the money and you know if he and what i'm saying is he's been saying stuff like that and you're right what he said what some of what he says has come to fruition the endless wars and and so on and so forth but as far as you know what happens with the money is concerned um it's always the 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 doom and gloom is yes inevitable but always right around the corner yeah, and there's I, no way to know when that corner is going to turn, ever. I would I would say that as as long as we're given freedom, such as so far with with Bitcoin, we have uh, a pretty high degree of freedom. Uh, not not so much in Hawaii, but um, as long as we're given freedom, the 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 collapse doesn't need. It's not necessary to happen. Um, as long as we're allowed to choose alternatives yeah to choose um, out so I, and that's why i i don't ever well I, I used to i used to say oh yeah the federal reserve they should raise rates and I, I used to you know try to you know say how the federal reserve should save the u.s dollar but now i don't say that anymore i say the best the best way out of this is if the federal reserve just keeps printing until they're no longer relevant and so that's what I hope happens. But to uh, save save the economy from a collapse that Ron Paul predicts, um, if if people are allowed to invest in precious metals and Bitcoin and other instruments, then there doesn't have to be a collapse. It can just roll into the future of of currency and, and trade. And and so that's that's what I call for. Just keep printing, just. Uh, but I, I I don't like it when they and they print for wars. You know, it's just this. It's so destructive. You know, it's like it's like oh yeah, let's print some money to to dig a hole and fill it again. Uh, but it's filling it with you know dead bodies and it's just war bonds. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not the not the best way of bring those of destroying, back destroying the currency there's there's better ways to do it you know even if they wanted to just build bridges and you know infrastructure and i don't know they, they go to mars or something they they you know anything would be better than what they're doing okay um, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call for war or for violence but part of me part of me i think would have a little bit more respect for endless wars um Maybe respect's a bad word. I'm going to say respect because I don't have a better word right now. But I think part of me would have like a better respect for that type of activity um, if they would like call it what it used to be called and then behave in a manner on how they used to behave. And that is like conquest, right? Right. If, if you were like, if you were going, uh, you know, to like foreign lands to like pillage their natural resources and bring yeah. that so home. It's not, not respect. <laughs> it wouldn't be respect, but it would be un- understanding, right? Yes, that's a good word. <laughs> like I, like I now could, it's not I, even under, it's not even understandable what they yeah. what they're actually doing 
is coming up with a war to justify stealing from taxpayers in the U.S. Stealing from your own home people, right? Rather than going out and like, like I said, conquering others to provide for your home base, right? They're like stealing from the home base to just go out there and destroy other home bases, right? With yeah. with, and with so there was, there with was no end in sight. Article. I didn't read the article, but there the, the headline was basically. Um, the Pentagon predicts that the DOD is going to collapse. Um, and there's basically nothing that can save it because, you know, giving it more money isn't going to improve it. Uh, it'll just it'll just make it even more uh, greedy, basically. It'll just, you know, the more you dump into it, the more that it, that it needs. Um, and if it's not growing, it's going to it's going to collapse is is the the idea um so and and i think it i think there does need to be a reset i think there does need to be a collapse i think every i think the entire military should be fired because they're incompetent and it's kind of like uh, and replaced with trannies it's (laughs) yeah it's the the same thing with the with the police you know the nobody there are no good cops because the the cops are not arresting other cops and it's the same with the military. There's no good military person because no no military person is is standing up and saying no, we can't do this. Um, you know, there's been a, f- a very at least few not vocally examples. and publicly. Yeah, there's been yeah very few examples of that. One of them was a uh, was a guy that you know decided, hey, I'm not going to Iraq or Afghanistan. I can't remember which one. And and uh, you know they they I think they put him in jail for it. I can't remember, but. Um, but that was a really brave thing to do. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't because he was trying to, uh, get out of his duty or whatever. It's because he knew that that was the wrong place to go and didn't serve the U S in any capacity. Um, so it's, it's a right thing to disobey bad orders. Um, and so, like I said, there's there's no reason for the 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 Pentagon to be doing what they're doing, and uh, they should be they should all be fired. And I've said that a couple of times this week. Was this, was uh, Daniel Lockemacher or something like that? The the objector's name. I remember. I vaguely remember something being like. Sorry, I'm getting I'm getting I'm probably just stuck on it, but I remember. I remember like a conscious objector getting interviewed, you know, and that right. was the the last name that came up to mind. That doesn't ring a bell to you though? No. Okay. Never mind then. Moving on. Anything else? So yeah, we got off on a on a roll there. Um are we going to keep going or we got some news? Well, we got plenty of news. I I you know, it it was weird because last week um you know, I, I, I used to do like show prep like one day a week and I used to just like bang that shit out. Um, and then that got too like time consuming. So now I just kind of do it whenever I'm doing other things. Um, and last week was like a slow news week. So there was a short podcast cause you know, there was, uh, some personal issues that prevented me from, from doing the show with the UMC. Um, and I, I only came up with like, you know, four or five articles that I basically just read. Um, but this week I ended up with like nine cause I didn't, I didn't check to see how much I was doing. So we got a bunch of headlines, uh, that we can get into. So if you're ready for that, we can start. Can we just get into the first one? Yeah. Um, you want to just, the, 
the the Hon- because it's relevant to us. We're here in Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> let, let me run through all the headlines like I usually do, and then we'll jump right back into that one. All right, here we go. Headlines. Honolulu targets smartphone zombies with crosswalk ban. Uh, headline. Statement on President Trump's call for priest brutality on Long Island. Uh, headline. Good intentions, bad outcomes. The story of government. Headline, don't buy the hype about an increased smoking age. Headline, can technological wizardry save the planet? Uh, Headline, may we defend against tyranny? Headline, uh, everything you need to know about government in one story. Uh, Headline, the ban on flavored tobacco. San Francisco's nannies are at it again. And finally, headline, is direct action transformative? Uh, and yes, relevant to us, found this BS this morning, MC. Honolulu Target smartphone zombies with crosswalk ban. Uh, a ban on pedestrians looking at mobile phones or texting while crossing the street will take effect in Hawaii's largest city in late October as Honolulu becomes the first major U.S. city to pass legislation aimed at reducing injuries and deaths from distracted walking. The ban comes as cities around the world grapple with how to protect phone-obsessed smartphone zombies from injuring themselves by stepping into traffic or running into stationary objects. Uh, Starting October 25th, Honolulu pedestrians can be fined between $15 and $99, uh, depending on the number of times police catch them looking at a phone or tablet device as they cross the street. Mayor Kirk Caldwell told reporters gathered near one of the city's busiest downtown intersections on Thursday. Uh, We hold the unfortunate distinction of being a major city with more pedestrians being hit in crosswalks, particularly our seniors, than almost any other city in the county, Caldwell said. (laughs) Because those are the ones on the smartphones. Okay, we'll get Yeah, yeah, those are the the ones, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Honolulu, back in the yard. Honolulu data on distracted walking incidents was not immediately available. Uh, Caldwell signed the legislation on Thursday after it was passed in a 7-2 vote. By the city council earlier this month, city records show. Uh, People making calls for emergency services are exempt from the ban. Uh, More than 11,000 injuries resulted from phone-related distractions while walking in the United States between 2000 and 2011, according to the University of Maryland study published in 2015. Uh, The findings pushed the nonprofit National Safety Council to add distracted walking to its annual compilation of the biggest risks for unintentional injuries and deaths in the United States, highlighting the severity of the issue. Cell phones are not just pervading our roadways, but pervading our sidewalks, too, Maureen Vogel, a spokeswoman for the council, said in a phone interview on Friday. Efforts to save pedestrians from their phones extends beyond America's shores. Uh, London has experimented with padding lampposts to soften the blow for distracted walkers. According to the independent newspaper, uh, in Germany, the city of Augsburg last year embedded traffic signals into the ground near tram ramps to help downward fixated pedestrians avoid injury, uh, local media reported. Opponents of the Honolulu law argued that infringe on personal freedom and amounts to government overreach. Uh, scrap this intrusive bill, provide more education to citizens about responsible electronic usage, and allow law enforcement to focus on larger issues, resident Ben Robertson told the city council in a written testimony. Uh, end of the article. Uh, your thoughts, MC? Okay, so the one thing that caught my eye was in the middle of the article. It says, people making calls for emergency services are exempt from the ban. So so when the cop comes after you, he says, hey, I want my $15. You say, no, 
I'm making an emergency call. Someone's harassing me. <laughs> call call the police on the police. Yeah. I'm I'm calling 911. Leave me alone. <laughs> yes. The 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 other th- important thing to look at here is um like yes we would agree with the 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 last guy who, you know, begging begging the city council to, you know, demanding that they remove this, you know, ridiculous legislation. Um, but look how many people made this, uh, made this, uh, made this law happen, right? Seven, right? Seven people decides on the freedom of, you know, a million others. What kind of nonsense is that? Right. They vote, they vote seven to two to pass a law. And then what? Okay. So an eighth guy signs going, yep, perfect. We're well, doing it. I mean, more, more than that voted for those people to represent them or whatever, but there still is especially in Hawaii people are are really not that interested in politics um so not that many people vote for these idiots you know so yeah a very small percentage of people are even involved in in any of it and uh and now police i guess you know what I, I don't even think police are going to be interested in doing that is going to give them another tool to uh, harass people. Yeah, that's part of the problem too. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's like it's 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 never ending. Just more things. I mean, there's there's probably a hundred laws in Honolulu that I don't even know about. That guaranteed. That the police probably the police don't even know about, and and so it's they're really just they're irrelevant. Um, and yeah, just <laughs> we don't need them. It's not going to solve any any problem. Um, like even even in the article it said, you know, it's talking about the the seniors that are getting hit. Um, it's this is not a phone problem. Um, sure, uh, fo- you know, some some idiots do get hit while crossing the street on their phone. Um, uh, the the law isn't going to make them not idiots anymore. And yeah. And the police harassing people for doing it is, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's so bizarre. And I, and I always, I always use that word, but I guess to me, it never gets old. Like it, there's always some even more stupid law for them to come up with. You say bizarre. I say nonsense. We're both right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, ama- it's amazing sometimes that we, we live in a world where this kind of th- stuff exists and not just exists, but is accept- accepted by most and championed by few, right? Like, you know, it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it, it turns into the norm because like, oh, it's just the way it is. You just, you just don't do those things. And man, it's frustrating. Cause like you said, it's, it's, it's one more tool in the toolbox for the cops to harass people. And I, I've shared this before, uh, at least with UMC, but it's been a while since I talked about it on the show. Um, there was a time when I found myself sitting in the back of a police car and the, the, uh, arresting officer was in the front seat of the police car, uh, looking at his, like, I'm going to call it the law book, right? Because like, I'm sitting in the back seat in handcuffs and he doesn't know what to charge me with. So I, I mentioned that to him. I go like, 
I said, like, what are you doing looking for the, you know, looking for what to charge me with? You're not going to find it in there or something like that. And he goes, I'll find something, right? Like, you know, there, there's, there's enough laws available to them where no matter, you know, no matter what reason why they stopped you, they can find something to charge you with um, and then go, you know, go on about their day. Right. Like they, they, you know, they've, uh, they've already got me in the car. They don't know what they're doing. And, uh oh, we got to pin something on them. So let's see, let's see what the good book tells us we can do, you know? And, uh, there, there was an article I didn't post a, post a show prep, obviously, cause I already ran through that, but it was basically like, you know, cop charges, uh, driver with driving without his headlights on during the day. Right. Like, oh no, no, no. You didn't have your headlights on during the day. And it probably, it, it, you know, it's, it, it obviously wasn't because he didn't have his headlights on while he was stopped, right? He was stopped for other reasons. Um, and again, I didn't really get into the article, so I don't remember, uh, what those were, but he was obviously stopped for other reasons. So this cop could harass him. And then that's the charge that they can pin on him. Uh, because there's just so many to choose from. So it goes like, well, you don't really have a good reason to stop me. Uh, you know, here's, here's, here's one. Right. And then there was another headline, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago where, uh, you know, officer pulls, you know, a black woman over, uh, for driving while black. Um, and then fumbles over his own words when he founds out that she's like the district attorney for the area. And he's got to like come up with a reason why, why he stopped the district attorney, you know, for, for something other than just being a black woman. So yes, so they, they have all these tools to harass and to, to bother and to, you know, to ruin your day. And now this is just another one. Um, now I will say this, right? Not that, not that government solutions are the answer. Um, but I, I appreciate, uh, the creative solutions that other areas have come up with to combat this issue, right? That does not infringe on the personal liberties of the morons, you know, not paying attention while they're in the crosswalk, right? You, you pad the polls. Okay, good, right? You know, creative solution might exist in a free market, you know, where people are, where, you know, polls are, where property owners are like, you know, nice enough to want to protect the people walking uh, down their street. And you know, the, the lights on the ground also seems like a great idea, right? If you, if that's where you're looking anyway, then why not just let that be where you look? Um, so I don't know what other, you know, creative solutions could be invented or, you know, or picked up on. Um, but, but taking away people's freedoms, even, even from like the distracted, you know, driving and walking, right? Just, just let it go. And I will say this as well. I wanted to add this to before I forget. Um, a couple of my uh, friends on Facebook posted like a video for, you know, don't text and drive. And it was basically like a highlight reel of people texting and walking and fucking that up. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> hitting the pole or tripping and falling or like, you know, falling into the pond or the, the you know, the, the fountain at the local park or whatever. And um, one of the, one of the headlines, you know, or the, the catchphrases or whatever was like, you can't even do this while walking. What makes you think you can do this while driving? So it was an anti-texting and driving ad. Right. Um, and I, I posted to like, you know, to both those friends. I'm like, I'm good at both. You can't stop me and I'll be okay. Right. Like there, 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 there needn't be a reason, 
uh, to prevent me from texting while driving, aside from the natural repercussions to my actions, right, which is having to take responsibility for damaging my property, someone else's property, or someone else's body, right? Like if, if I bring harm to someone or something, the only repercussions that needs to happen is that I take responsibility for that and, you know, mostly financially, right? But aside from that, if I can text and drive, which I can and I do, or if I can text and walk, which I can and I do, right? And I don't hurt anybody else and I don't interfere with anybody else, right? Then leave me alone, right? How does that automatically become a $15 or a $99 payment to you when I'm not hurting anybody or harming any property, right? Which is, which is, you know, what I would consider, and I think you're along with me on this MC, would be considered like the fundamentals to bad laws, right? If you, if you, if, if something is prohibited that doesn't affect anybody else, right? Like you're, you're, you know, it's, it's against the law, but you're not harming anybody with the action and you're not destroying any property with the action, right? I would say that that's like, fundamentally a bad law. And I think this definitely, along with texting and driving, uh, falls within, within that category. Um, and you know, I, I can already, you know, I can already imagine if they do decide, you know, to, to make this a thing, right. You know, the, the undercover stings and operations of cops, just like hanging out on patrol by crosswalks, especially in like the busy downtown area, just cattle calling people off to the side and, and issuing like you know, a vast number of citations all at once and, you know, filling the, the courtroom with that if they have to go to court or if they choose to go to court with that. Otherwise, you know, if you're walking through like a busy downtown intersection and like 10 people are looking at their phone, right, that's an easy 150 bucks every time someone crosses the crosses the street during lunch hour. MC? Right on. What else we got on our list? I ran through the headlines. Any place you want to go next? Um, no, but you, you pick. Everything you need to know about the government in one story. Um, okay, so this is uh, kind of an older article. Like this is this was news last week, but I didn't get to it because there wasn't a decent enough write up about it, and it was like the the story was so short. Um, but I like this write up, so let's go through this. Uh, every so often, I run across a chart, cartoon, or story that captures the essence of an issue. And when that happens, I make it a part of my Everything You Need to Know series. Uh, I don't actually think those columns tell us everything we need to know, of course, but they do show something very important, at least I hope. And now, from our normally semi-rational northern neighbor, I have a new example. This story from Toronto truly is a powerful example of the difference between government action and private action. You ready for this, MC? Right. A Toronto man who spent $550 building a set of stairs in his community park, says he has no regrets, despite the city's insistence that he should have waited for a $65,000 city project to handle the problem. Uh, retired mechanic Adi Astel says he took it upon himself to build the stairs after several neighbors fell down the steep path to a community garden in Tom Riley Park in Etobicoke, uh, Etobicoke, I don't know how to say that, Ontario, 
Uh, Assel says his neighbors chipped in on the project, which only ended up costing 550 bucks. A far cry from the $65,000 to $150,000 price tag the city had estimated for the job. Astle says he hired a homeless person to help him and built the eight steps in a matter of hours. Uh, Astle says members of his gardening group have been thanking him for taking care of the project, especially after one of them broke her wrists falling down the slope last year. Uh, there are actually two profound lessons to learn from this story. Since I'm a fiscal wonk, the part that grabbed my attention was the $550 cost of private action compared to $65,000 for government, or maybe $150,000. Heck, probably more considering government cost overruns. Uh, though we're not actually talking about government action, uh, God only knows how long it would have taken the bureaucracy to complete this task. So this is the story of inexpensive private action versus costly government inaction. But there's another part of the story that caught my eye. The bureaucracy is responding with spite. The city is now threatening to tear down the stairs uh, because they were not built to regulation standards. Uh, city bylaw officers have taped off the stairs while officials making a decision on what to do with it. Uh, Mayor John Tory says that still doesn't justify allowing private citizens to bypass city bylaws to build public structures themselves. Uh, we can't just have people decide to go out to Home Depot and build a staircase in a park because that's what they would like to have. Uh, but there's a silver lining. With infinite mercy, the government isn't going to throw Mr. Aslan in jail or make him pay a fine. At least not yet. Uh, Assel has not been charged with any sort of violation. Gee, how nice and thoughtful. Uh, one woman has drawn the appropriate conclusion from the episode. Area resident Dana Beeman told CTV Toronto that she's happy to have the stairs there. Uh, whether or not they are up to city standards, we have far too much bureaucracy, she says. Uh, we don't have enough self-initiative in our city, so I'm impressed. Uh, which is the lesson I think everyone should take away. Uh, private initiative works much faster and much cheaper than government. P.S. Let's also call this an example of super-federalism or super-decentralization. Imagine how expensive it would have been for the national government in Ottawa, uh, oh, sorry, Ottawa, uh, to build the stairs, or how long it would have taken. Probably millions of dollars and a couple of years. Uh, now imagine how costly and time-consuming it would have been if the Ontario provincial government was in charge. Uh, perhaps not as bad, but still very expensive and time-consuming. And we already know the cost and inaction of the city government. Reminds me of the $1 million bus stop in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, but when actual users of the park take responsibility, both in terms of action and money, the stairs were built quickly and efficiently. Uh, in other words, let's have decentralization, uh, but the most radical federalism is when private action replaces the government. Uh, end of the article. Uh, your thoughts, MC, on people taking charge uh, in their own local community and bypassing the government. Oh, my goodness. Um, no, good on, good on him for, you know, building the stairs. They actually ended up tearing him down afterwards. Yeah. And uh, and then they promised, okay, we're going to build them for $15,000 instead of $65,000. But it, it it really does show the 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 what do you call it the collusion with the the government and and the contractors um the unions it's it's uh it's it's a it's a way to steal money that's again it's the sa same thing as the military industrial complex um 
if if they can charge more because it's not their money, they're going they're going to do it. Um, so I I don't know. That's it's it's definitely not the price of freedom. It's it's the price of uh, what do you, what do you call it? Um, not total totalitarianism, but tyranny. Um, tyranny. There you go. I knew it started with a T. <laughs> It's the price of tyranny that you have to buy $65,000 stairs. Um, yes. And th- this, is, this is one of those you know, other financial issues with government work in general. And that is, if we don't spend the money, we lose our budget. Right? We got we to gotta spend, spend, yeah. spend, and take, take, take. Uh, otherwise, so we it, don't get to spend, spend, spend as much next year. It, it reminds me of, of what happened in, in, uh, in Russia. There's, there's areas where they the the people need need the money and and somehow they have a system where the 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 people or the the locals can get paid by the government to fix the roads and so every year they take a whole bunch of salt or other corrosive chemicals and dump it on the road and the road deteriorates and then the government has to pay them to fix it so they they destroy the road every year <laughs> to get money um so that's that's another reason, you know, why you don't need government because if you didn't have the government, the road wouldn't break. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There was another story similar similar to that uh here with um like the 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 police gun buybacks were like, you know, turn in your gun and we'll give you like 100 bucks. And so people were throwing together like, you know, makeshift uh, you know, wooden barrel shotguns that qualified as a shotgun. And then just getting a hundred bucks for, you know, like 10 bucks worth of supplies, you know, it's, it's, uh, perverse incentives, right? Because we see other stories where, where the government doesn't pay the people, right? The, The incentive isn't there, but they go out and they, you know, they fix the road themselves, right? Like, oh my God, we saw a pothole and anarchy in action. We filled the pothole in. And then they get in trouble, right? Because now, now the, those dirty hippie anarchists, right, are stealing union jobs from union workers who'd have to go out and work overtime, you know, to, to, to fill that yeah. pothole. Um, or, so, you know, and, oh, go ahead. In Honolulu, the, the, the problem is with the potholes is, is they get paid more to constantly fix the potholes than they do to fix the road. So the incentive is to have more, more potholes. Which means they do a shitty job filling them in, which is why they break again, and why our roads well, suck. It doesn't really matter uh, if you know what what type of job they do filling them in. I mean, the, it's the the filling in the potholes is a temporary solution. It's yeah. it's supposed to be temporary until they can repave the road. They just never plan to repave the road. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And but but again, you know. One one of the things about um, it's not so bad uh, here, but you, you mentioned like uh, in, in Russia, you know they 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 throw chemicals on the road. Um, a lot of the the degradation for like Hawaiian infrastructure is the goddamn salt air that wrecks everything. <laughs> so they they fill in the potholes, and then like I said, you know the, there's no incentive to repave the road, but there's there's always more potholes, and you you'll see. Right. You know, within sometimes within weeks or, you know, months of filling in a pothole, that same patchwork uh, starts to chip away. 
until it, you know, and then it just degrades even further, like after a rain or something. So there's, and you know, for, for me, right. I'm always like riding a moped. So knowing where those things are and how to avoid them is like, you know, part of my life, you know, <laughs> and when I see like some new patchwork on the road, I'm like, I'm even more, I'm even more wary of that. Uh, a lot of the times, um, because I don't know how that's going to ride and it's not level with the rest of the ground. So now instead of like a hole, uh, I'm riding through bumps, which is, you know, equally annoying. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on this? Uh, no. Okay. I had one more that I want to bring up that, you know, we talked to, there was another one, uh, another story some years ago about a mayor who like, you know, good on him, even though he's the mayor, uh, walking by like a storm drain that was crooked, right? Like the, the storm drain grill, whatever you call that was like shifted off of its base. Uh, and he just like, you know, nudged it back into place and was like sued by the unions because he's not, that's out of his jurisdiction, right? He's not allowed to touch that. You know, he's, he's got to go, uh, he's got to go file the report and have some union guy drive out in his truck, you know, on a Saturday. So overtime, right. To go put that back in a place. Um, and it, it was, it was a big grievance back then. Um, reminds me of the movie Br- Brazil. <laughs> you know, I, I downloaded that. I haven't watched it yet. Maybe, maybe that'll be on my, my docket of things to do today. Yeah. It, it's weird. <laughs> I know you guys watched it like, you know, in, in, in our, our, one of our meetup nights that I wasn't able to attend. And so I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it too. And I just didn't get around to it. Um, and there so, was a, there was, Oh, go ahead. So it was, it was, uh, done by the same guy that did uh, 12 monkeys. So it has the same same flavor as 12 monkeys, but think about uh it's not not as polished yet and just so it's uh 12 monkeys a is a great more, movie. It's it's a lot more chaotic version of, you know, that style of of movie. Okay. I watched the uh the French short film that 12 monkeys was based on and that was also a fun little journey. I will say this, like off topic, but I'm going to throw it out there since you brought up 12 monkeys. It is my opinion that 12 Monkeys is the absolute best representation of time travel in movies. Like if, if time travel is a thing, then that's how it plays out. Um, and then the, and back into, you know, the, the topic at hand, unless you want to comment on that MC, uh, there was an article last week as well that we didn't make at show prep, but uh, again, uh, unions complaining about jobs at, uh, I think it was like a Michigan university, uh, because they hired goats to do the landscaping. Did you see that one? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I, I just saw the title. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, it was an initiative by the university to help clear out some of the underbrush, um, that was actually harmful and poisonous to humans, right? It was like a lot of poison ivy and poison whatever and, you know, stuff that you wouldn't want humans to clear out. Um, so they had goats go do it. And the goats were, you know, more efficient, uh, you know, than even they expected, right? Their, their, their army of goats. Um, and then the union threw a fit because, oh, no, no, that's union. That's union work. Those are union contract positions. Uh, no one else is allowed to touch those things except for us. Um, and I know, I know I've, uh, uh, previously praised, uh, you know, the, the ANCOM, uh, philosophy, I guess, of, of solidarity. Um, and I, I see how that manifests in unions. Uh, but sometimes it's just overboard, man. 
Like, you know, there's a difference between like, uh, collectivizing together for a common good or a common benefit, uh, you know, or, or to, to increase your negotiating power. Um, but, but, but other people being able to do that job, right. Is just good on them and good for them. And has nothing to do with you. Or goats. If goats 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 can do it better than humans, then let the goats do it. (laughs) Right. uh, The thing with the unions, I, I, I just wanted to point out that, that, uh, you know, absent the state that that unions are are perfectly legitimate, um, but you just have to realize that if you do collectivize and uh, stand firm on some uh, some issue that you know you think you should get, um, you sh- you should also know that you you can be replaced um, by people that are not in unions. Um, yes. So, uh, and and better, absent the state control be, of unions. That's what it better would be a a good deal for for both sides and not just yourself. Absolutely, but the the the, the biggest problem with unions is their a lot of their power is backed by the state, and if they didn't if they didn't right. have that, then a lot of these you know. But a lot the reason that their power is backed by the state is because they represent a big group of voters. Yes, and there's the and. Currently, there's not much that can be done with that. It's just another one of those issues where you go like, well, unions can be good, but state-backed unions are bad, right? Uh, Private security is good. You know, state-backed police is bad. Uh, Education is good, right? State-forced, you know, uh, coercive learning is bad. Indoctrination. (laughs) Yes, and that's the word. Thank you. State indoctrination uh, is bad. So, you know, it's, it's another like Bastiat quote, um, you know, just this, because we oppose something done by the state doesn't mean we oppose it in its entirety. Um, it's just, you know, a, a lot, a lot of things that we look at and we go like, well, this is terrible in how it's run. Doesn't mean that we're against the concept and principle, just that we're against how it's run, uh, when it's controlled by the state. So, you know, so like I said, union schools, whatever, Um, And if we can eliminate the state, then a lot of the negatives that come along with those uh, aspects of life uh, go out with that. And then we can, you know, again, once again, let the market decide uh, how how best to run those things, uh, you know, going forward. Right. You know, and and we we get a microcosm of that, uh, as we talked about at the beginning of show uh, with with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, because it's currently. for the most part, you know, uh, an unregulated uh, venture for everyone involved, um, and we we kind of get to to live through that live live through that experiment, uh, and to see what can become of it. MC. All right. Um, what else we got? We, do right. we have time? What time is it? Oh my gosh. How we we have a couple <laughs> minutes if you want to get into one, or we can just you know, like I said, a couple minutes here or there it doesn't matter to me. All right. Up to you. Okay, I, I want to read this one then um, and maybe get your thoughts on it um, only because of the source. You know, I, and I say this every time I bring up this uh, as a source. Uh, this is from the Center for a Stateless Society, uh, which you know, I'm going to read right at the top. A left market anarchist think tank and media center. So I don't always agree uh, with their positions. Um, and occasionally they'll have like a decent write-up. Um, but you also have to be aware 
if you decide to go to their site and read theirs, um, they mix definitions. Um, and for a lot of issues, we're like, we're on the same page, but they wouldn't say so because they use the wrong definitions for words. Um, so it's a little bit misleading, but let's read through this and see how it turns out. Is direct action transformative? To be a radical is often to feel hunted and vulnerable, but it can also be the pinnacle of what it means to be held in a beautiful way that the world represses. Uh, Much of how our radicalism feels is a question of with what we are engaging in our search for freedom, empathy, and truth. Direct action is often posited as the apex of anarchist radicalism. It is seen as the front through which alternative worlds are glimpsed and from which they spring. The soil where theory is tested and seeds are planted. Much as there is a fetishization of theory in academia, there can be a fetishization of action in organizing. In many ways, the impact of action, particularly the category considered direct, is much more tangible and immediate than that of the stodgy parsing of the ethical dilemmas and metacognitive strategies. It's difficult to map the butterfly effect of an idea, such as economic theory, for instance, except through its trail of actions, even though, in reality, it's a constant interchange. Direct action tends to stray from the purely symbolic or ideological and into the realm of services delivered without the consent of authority. These services can generally be parsed into two categories, that of the smashy-smashy, that which is destructive or blocking of harmful mechanisms, and that of the buildy-buildy that which is constructive of alternative ways of doing or being. Uh, Direct action is generally seen as raging from a a brick through a window of a monopolistic big bank and sit-ins to benevolent benevolent mutual aid societies such as the collective healthcare system built by the Common Grounds Collective in the Lower Ninth Ward after Hurricane Katrina. Direct action is generally a part of much longer strategy, even though it can at times just be the sudden bubbling over of rage or creativity. As regards the provision of services that the state fails or refuses to, there is much internal debate amongst anarchists about what constitutes a band-aid or worse, a course of actions that are branded reformist and therefore a de facto justification of state violence. On the other side is a question of what constitutes a pure form of positive impact. Within this debate, there is an ever-present desire for a greater positive impact with less negative corollaries. That debate is, of course, garbled by feckless jockling for social capital and power in the race to be the rightest anarchist of them all. The battle for purity is a toxin, while the struggle for accountability is a necessity. Uh, Some time ago, Left Book laughed as many anarchists took to the turrets to attack the Portland Black Bloc anarchists who were filling potholes. You're doing the job of the state. You're legitimizing the state. You're stealing work from low-wage laborers. Uh, You're just making whiteness easier. They hoarsely screamed into their monitors and keyboards. Meanwhile, a few less flat tires and bent rims were to be had by Portlanders, and some quantum of goodwill was dispersed into the ether. These actions were quite low risk and of reasonably pure impact by way of impossible standards. However, they still met the Moloch of utopian perfectionism. Uh, Amongst radicals who have engaged in higher impact and deeper investment struggles, there is the humbled realization that all action is tainted. There is no pure strategy, so we learn and try not to make praxis an ineffectual buzzword. We are walking while questioning, as the Zapatistas say. Those in the peanut gallery are quick to critique anyone in the messy grit of actually doing stuff, while at the same time many groups are wont to minimize the importance of hard theory and external perspective in developing coherent and impactful strategy. 
There is, of course, also the unsexy but incredibly necessary background work that makes uh, all sustained efforts possible. It is possible for direct action to become simple harm reduction with an intense associated sunk cost fallacy. After providing a high-stake service, often for many years and at an intense personal cost and risk, many activists are reluctant to question whether their action is truly transformative because this could lead to the more terrifying question of, was it worth it? Uh, many projects run the risk of being actually detrimental to our goals, but they're steeped in our tradition, so we maintain them. The reality of radical struggle is that it is mostly a losing battle, and it is a hard to perceive the second and third degree connections and inspirations rendered by those in the thick of it. Uh, some things must be done just because they must be done. For example, we could dig a hole through the earth, debating whether providing life-saving aid in the borderlands is transformative or just a much-needed ongoing band-aid. But the fact is, without this action, innocent people will face increased harm, even as the state and militias may use the existence of such aid as a sick justification for amplification of their death projects. So while we need people who understand the larger landscape and context within which the microviolences occur, without those committed to the dirty work that theory implies is needed, nothing changes. Reformists are quick to say that policy change is the only level at which true transformative change happens, while an anarchist will retort that the level of change needed demands complete overhaul. As a movement, there are countless isolated direct action collectives and single instance affinity groups that associate to do the work of smashing what needs to be smashed and testing what needs to be built. Diversity is our strength and isolation our weakness. Unfortunately, because we are often hunted beasts, a throttling of coordination is demanded as a homage to security culture. At best, we can see each other's travails on its going down and take risks of intimidating of intimating confessions through channels with a range of communication security. The organizationalists among us strive to create the one big movement by ever linking these disparate nodes or unifying and standardizing their aims to leverage mass people power. Uh, the individualists and network anarchists among us focus instead on horizontal relationships, building over static infrastructure as this can create stronger and more defensible decentralized infrastructure communities of practice. However, it is that we choose to act, diversity is our strength. While we may disagree and debate about consequences or strategies and tactics of direct action, what really needs is a dynamic testing environment where many approaches are competing for viability in both the short and long term. Whether direct action is transformative or not depends on our aims and definitions as well as our context, including unintended or unforeseen consequences of our actions. What makes us anarchists is, in part, our insatiability, and as such, our thirst for freedom will never be quenched. This is our vitality, but can also be our poison. While a commune in the woods that fails to impact broader society at all may yet provide to its members a radically different mode of living, a group of vibrant youth who accurately assess the needs of their community may change the entire world. It's a game of dice, but where analysts assist the leverage we are able to harness. In direct action trans is direct action transformative? Maybe. And the ongoing asking of that question matters almost more than the answer. Uh, your thoughts on direct action MC. Um, so while you were talking, I was, I was thinking about, you know, uh, the potential solutions to, to problems and, and we're always, we're always looking to, uh, you know, come, come up with new solutions. And well, one of, one of them that, I had was was a website that I was going to design, and it's basically going to be based on um, the website uh, Go, GoFundMe. 
So people have a problem and they can post it and then other people can donate to solve their problem. Um, so no st state not needed, right? Uh, so I was I was going to expand on that and, and make it so where you could uh, more easily uh, define the type of people you, you want to help. Um, so starting with in your local area, so you could you could find people, you know, neighbors uh, that you need to help and and you could help them. And so, so all that's, you know, follows the, the voluntary aspect of it. But while you're talking, I I thought to myself, well, what if we go even further uh, specific on which type of people we want to help and and view the anarchists, libertarians as as a nation, as uh, you know our our people, right? And uh, everybody else, you know, sucks. And so, <laughs> I think more um, so as a religion, then because it would be like dis, it would be a philosophy dispersed amongst you know multiple geographic areas, as opposed to a consolidation in a geographic area. But continue. I just yeah, want to make that well, distinction. Our, I don't know. I'll, I'll just say our geographic region is still going to be in our. Well, it could be anywhere. Okay, Canada go on, Nation exists outside. You know, our, our graphical area is planet Earth at the moment. <laughs> so, okay. But uh, I guess I guess I would... All right, I'll let you continue, but I would say the way I view a nation is a consolidation of people within a specific geographic area, not a disbursement of people across the entire planet who believe the same thing. Like to me, you have like, you know, Catholics and Christians all around the world who share a belief, uh, but you have Canadians in Canada, right? And as yeah, we are, the, as we are dispersed philosophically, like not the, consolidated the, geographically. The, the, the Navajo nation could be, you know, cr cross borders though. So, I mean, they might be in a general area. Um, yeah. But it's, it's. But they're not dispersed them all along the planet. Yeah, yeah, that's what dispersed. I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, all right. We'll get I don't want to get tied but, into this. I just want to. I just wanted to make that and then let you yeah. continue. So it was just. It was just an idea that that uh, you know libertarian anarchists voluntarists should. Oh, I guess just throwing their uh, agorists should um, associate with each other more and seek yeah. each other out and and seek help from each other and. S and seek to help each other. I think this is a way forward um, in combating the state because uh, as as our nation, uh, that I, I'm going to call it, because I, I don't know what else to call it. Okay. Um, say, as our nation gets stronger, uh, it will become more attractive and, and, uh, and it will grow. Um, and, and then there could also be competition. So on, on my particular website or idea or whatever, um, if you register and you're basically saying that you're a libertarian and you can seek help from other libertarians, um, you know, whether it's in the form of scholarship or you know, medical issues or, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good way to um, further our cause is by strengthening our base. Sounds good. No, no, no disagreement there. Make your contributions in Monero. Right. That's always been, that's always been my thing. Right. And I've said this before as well. Right. Especially here in Hawaii. Um, you know, if, if you want to secede from the federal government and attain your Hawaiian sovereignty, right, just stop using their money. 
right? Do everything. You don't have to do everything, you know, locally. You don't have to like buy local, um, but offer your stuff in, in exchange for whatever, you know, whatever currency you wish. Yeah. And don't e- deal with said than done, though. <laughs> much easier said than done, but it doesn't have to be. And I think crypto makes it easier. Yeah. So I, I've said right? this before. But you, you know, in, rather than going to like, future, go ahead. In, in the future, it won't matter which currency you, you use to buy. It'll just matter what you hold. Um, because in, in the future, all, all currency is going to be digital and exchangeable instantaneously. So it doesn't really matter uh, which currency, currency you, you spend with. Um, but it will matter, you know, which one is inflated the most and uh, which one is becoming worth less. Um, so yeah, but rather than going to like back to my original original point in the beginning is that I I hope that the the U.S. dollar uh, does get printed into nothingness and then people just start using other things. Sounds good. And I would say use those other things and rather than going to like a Goodyear or a Pet Boys. Right. For, you know, a tire change, go to your mechanic neighbor down the street and rather than doing that exchange in U.S. dollars, do it in Monero. So everyone, you know, so it's not even it's not even on the radar um, of the state who will then come and try to take it. Yeah. And all that stuff is really it's going to it's going to be a lot harder to seize a Monero wallet than it will be a bank account. Right. So if you if if you can get it. Yeah, hopefully. Well, we'll see, right? It's the experiment, yeah. but it should be. Yeah. Right? right now, it is right because it's it, you know it's harder to trace. Um, yeah, but and but diversify. They even they even got that guy that was running uh, Alpha Bay on the dark web, um, and supposedly they they got access to his Monero wallet too. Um, I don't know if he just has his passwords, you know, on his local machine or what, but. Um, well, in that case, they but, had to physically hack it and, and you know bust them that way. Oh yeah, well they they definitely did. Um, yeah, but it, but if if the if the dark if the dark web that we're talking about exists in the geographic area, right, commonly referred to as Hawaii, right, it's going to be a lot harder to to crack it. Number one, and then you're it, you'll get a lot more local support uh, against the feds, right? Because yeah. if you have if you have a community going like, why are they busting you know Joe's house, you know you know fuck that, let's go kick some ass. And you know, pool your your defenses. It's a lot harder than busting like a random guy who runs a website in Thailand, <laughs> right? That that no one locally cares about because he's his his scope is so broad that he doesn't have the the intimate connections required to mount uh, a physical defense. Does that make sense? Am I communicating? A little bit. All right. But Anything that's the else? Thing, though, once 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 they get me and and like i said i don't i don't know what they're going to do to 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 get access to my wallet are they gonna you know hold a drill to my kneecap or you know whatever i I don't know but yeah well in that case you know you you give up the wallet and then once you are able to free yourself or once you you know you're able to at least notify outsiders somehow right that you are being coerced Right. Then, you know, your your physical neighbors. Right. Which is why it's nice to to do things locally. Your physical neighbors can help you with retribution. Right. You know, not necessarily, you know, not necessarily getting the money back per se, um, but taking out the people who did that. And if you know it's coming, they can be like, you know, the human fence 
uh, outside, the armed human fence outside, uh, protecting that intrusion from occurring in the first place. Uh, much like the Bundy Ranch, right? The, the, sh- the showdown at the Bundy Ranch where uh, an, uh, an armed defensive gathered uh, to protect one family from federal intrusion. It's not unheard of. It just has to be local. Right on. Final um, thoughts? No, no more. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You know where to find us, uh, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience, or join in on discussion and the show prep in the group, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. And if you want to contribute to the show financially, we do it through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.